Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Good morning. I'm going to talk to you about your emotions this morning. And I put a title on the message, uh, How to Have and Enjoy Godly Emotions. Colossians 3, a passage that we read, says to put on a heart of compassion, to forgive, to love, to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to be thankful, to sing with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's, it's clear to me from this passage and others that our new life in Jesus is to bring new and wonderful emotions. You might think that's too strong a word, but I don't. It's to bring new and wonderful emotions. And I say, thank God, because I don't always like how I feel. I don't always like my emotions. But something is to change drastically for the better about our emotional life as new creations in Christ. And again, I say, I am all for it. Ephesians 5 says, being filled with the Spirit results in singing, results in joy in our hearts, thanksgiving, submitting to others with gladness. The presence and filling of the Holy Spirit impacts our emotions. And to me, again, that is good news. It's great news. Galatians 5, the passage that that I had included in our scripture reading, says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those are emotions. As we have a relation, and actually I think the other fruits of the Spirit are also relations or, or emotions or expressions of emotions. As we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, these wonderfully positive emotions begin to well up within us like fruit being born on a tree. And as we walk in the Spirit, they become the predominant features or emotions or fruit of our lives. Christ died for our sins. This is the foremost thing about the gospel. But we can also say that Christ died for our emotions. He he died for our emotions and sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts to redeem our emotions in this life and to someday bring us into a perfect emotional state in heaven forever. And again, I say, thank God for that. I want to be clear that I am not denying that we have emotions. I am not denying that we have painful emotions. But God has something better for us than hostility, rage, sinful anger, bitter, resentful feelings, fear, anxiety, nervousness, pessimism, and other such emotions. And God's plan is even that emotions such as anger or sadness or grief, which are not necessarily sinful at all, but they are not to control us or to hold us prisoner. God fully knows and understands the struggle that you have with your emotions. God fully knows and understands the struggle that we all have with our emotions. There are depressed people in the Bible. 
Just listen to Psalm 42. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Or Psalm 88. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. Darkness is my only friend. To me, Psalm 88 is one of the most um, profound dis- uh, expressions of despair and depression in, in the Bible. Dark, it, it, that's, the end of the, that's the end of the psalm. Darkness is my only friend. Elijah was so depressed, he asked God to take his life. There are angry people in the Bible. Jonas said, I am angry enough to die. If you've ever been that angry, you're not, but it's pretty angry. There are people who are filled with fear in the Bible. Even the prophet Elijah ran in fear from Jezebel. There's incredible sadness in the Bible. When David, when David's own son, Absalom, whom he loved, conspired, instigated a conspiracy against David, and David nearly lost the kingdom. He was forced to flee out of the city of Jerusalem. And it says that he, that, he, that he walked with great sadness up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare. To me, it's one of the most uh, vivid descriptions of just sadness, you know, weeping. His head covered, filled with sadness. The Bible acknowledges the realities of our struggles And there is a time for grief, for tears, for sadness. Yet, God, in the Bible, is always calling us to hope, to thanksgiving, to gratitude, to peace, and to joy. And calling us upward and away from fear and despair. I'm going to talk just a little bit about our emotions. I, I, don't, I don't want to profess to be something that I am not. I'm just sharing this basically of my own observations and primarily what I see from the scriptures. But our emotions are as close to us as the air we breathe. I mean, they are the world we live in. I mean, when you think about what your life is like, I mean, we live in a world that consists of our feelings and affections and desires and emotions that's, that's where we live. Emotions come along in a continuous stream that cannot be shut off. We feel something most all of the time. We feel love or joy, happiness, contentment or guilt, anger, frustration, fear, grief, disappointment, and hurt, and so on. Some emotions are very pleasant and some are very painful. Emotions come to us with great intensity or great force at times. Emotions are powerful. We all feel life deeply. And I've said this, if, if you've been around me at Life Group or you know, my wife's heard me say this, just, just what an amazing thing is that we all feel life deeply. I mean, I feel life deeply and you feel life deeply, but you're not the only one that feels life deeply. Everybody's life is this intense drama that they live. People all around you feel life as deeply as you do. That checkout person at the grocery store feels life deeply. Other people here at Real Life Church all experience the drama and the emotions of life as forcefully as you. I mean, it is an emotional experience to be a human being. We feel highs and lows, joys and sorrows. 
And we have emotions because we were created in the image of God. We have emotions because God has emotions. God is a God who feels. He is not a plastic or mechanical God. He is a God who has feelings, and we see that all throughout scriptures. And because he feels, we were created to feel. And throughout the Bible, we see uh, God's emotions revealed in, in, in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Jesus felt compassion and anger. He was acquainted with sorrows. Luke tells us that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can grieve. He experiences pain when we say hurtful or unkind things to others, when we fall into sin and unbelief. James 4, 5 says that he jealously desires your loyalty to him. He doesn't want, you, he doesn't want your affections to go to the world. He wants you. He jealously desires you. There's an, there's an emotional desire. There's feelings that the Holy Spirit has for you. Romans 8 says that he prays for us with groans that words cannot express. That word groans there means an intense yearning. He prays for you with intense yearnings for you and for God's will to be done in your life. And we know God the Father has love, pity, compassion on his children. He rejoices over his people and we could go, go on and on. But we have emotions we feel life because God feels. God created us that way in his image. But in order to understand yourself, in order to st- understand your emotions, in order to understand this drama that goes on inside of you, and to learn to have and enjoy godly emotions you must first know something. You must know that something has gone desperately wrong with your emotions. Okay, that, I think that's really the, one of the first things to understanding your emotions. You must first know that something has gone desperately wrong with your emotions. Your emotions have been affected by what we call the fall. They have become corrupted and damaged. Adam and Eve were created in a, in, by God into a perfect Garden of Eden. There was no sin, no sinful feelings, no painful, miserable emotions. Sin ruined this perfect, good, and happy state in which Adam and Eve lived. And since the fall, since, the, since sin entered the world, since Adam... Every part of our lives has been damaged by sin, including your mind, will, and emotions. And so every one of us have been subject to what I would call fallen emotions and subject to displaying those fallen, sinful emotions. Anybody here ever display fallen, sinful, ungodly emotions? And it's a cause of great inner turmoil and misery, and it's a cause of great pain in your own heart and in our relationships. But here's the good news. When you come to Christ, when you come to Christ to save you, He begins a process of healing you, of fixing you, if you will, from the effects of the fall, from redeeming your life from the effects of the the sin and the curse and the fall of man. We call it sanctification. 
It's a process. And this process not only involves putting to death or putting away of sinful actions such as you know, cursing or uh, looking at pornography or getting drunk, but it also involves the, trans- the transformation of your emotions. It involves putting to death, raging, out-of-control moods and emotions and the sinful display of those emotions. Sanctification involves the trans- transformation of our emotions into the positive, good, enjoyable emotions that God has for us. That does not mean, I feel like I'm having to add lots of qualifiers here because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. That does not mean that we are never sad or ever discouraged, but the dominant emotions of the new life are what? Love, joy, peace, and hope. Again, it doesn't mean there's no sorrow, but even as Paul put it, sorrowful, but always rejoicing. And I, th- I think it's, it's, it's huge. It's not, well, we have some joy, but we're always sorrowful. No, it's, yes, there's sorrow, but we're always rejoicing. You see, you see how love, joy, peace, hope become, through the grace of God, through the work of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, become the dominant, the, the emotions in our life or that we, are, that we are being transformed into. So this, this may surprise you, but your salvation involves your feelings and emotions. Really. And one of the ways that we see this in, is in the commands that are given to us as new people. These are not commands that are given to lost, sinful, unregenerate people. But the commands that are given to the new person, to you as a new man or woman or boy or girl in Christ, are things like this. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. Be anxious for nothing. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Sing to the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And just by those commands alone, I think it tells us something about our emotions, and it tells us something of the will of God, and it tells us something of where God is taking us in redeeming us from this place of of being fallen, uh, in a sense, damaged people by sin and the fall. We are, we are not commanded to fear, but to not be afraid. We are not commanded to despair, but to have hope. We are not commanded to worry. We're not commanded to have inner turmoil and frustration, but to have peace. And so the Bible continually exhorts us to self-control, uh, to put off certain emotions, to put on certain emotions, to take certain thoughts captive, to think and even to feel differently than we did when we were lost, unsaved people. One of the biggest lies that that Christians believe is that God doesn't expect you to change your emotions or that you 
can't or that God can't change your emotions or that you are not responsible for your emotions. So people say things like, you know, I just woke up on the wrong side of bed today. Or it's just going to be one of those days. Or I'm just in a bad mood, so watch out. You know, we do have emotional reactions to circumstances and things, uh, things that people say or do. But to me, it seems so clear in the Bible that God is bringing us, God is calling us, God is bringing us into new responses, even new emotional responses to life. I mean, if he wasn't, I mean, why would Paul say, well, we even exalt in tribulations? Isn't, isn't that a new re- emotional response to life? That's nothing that lost people ever think of. As we live as new people, as we think as new people, uh, even those emotional uh, responses or reactions that we have to people and circumstances are being transformed. Uh, you know, a few, a few years ago... Uh, you may have seethed with anger when someone, when you heard that somebody had said something not nice about you. And perhaps now, by the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, perhaps now you're moving at least closer toward a, toward a place of praying for them because you want to show them the love of God and because you are so secure in who you are and where God has you and you know God will defend you and take care of you that you can now go love Love that person. The Bible is clear that not all moods and emotions are right or spiritually healthy. James 1.20 says, Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Or John says, Perfect love casts out fear. Paul tells us that anger in itself is not always sinful, but it so quickly turns sinful that most of the commands regarding it are to put away anger. Um, To me, it is just totally clear that as, as new people, you can't just do what you feel, and you can't just say what you feel. You can't just indulge your feelings without serious damage to yourself and to others. You know, there's, there's a saying that goes like this. I, I, I know some of you have heard this, um, and I, I think it applies incredibly well to emotions, but the saying is this, sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you there longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. And the same is true of emotions, at least what I'm going to say, negative or ungodly emotions or emotions that are raging out of control. Emotions will take you further than you want to go. They will keep you there longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Amen? So, Sin has done its damage. The fall has had its effect. Now you must come for healing. Do you want that? Do you want that? Jesus said, come to me, 
all you who are weary and, and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think, I don't know if too many heavier, but certainly there's the heavy burden of our sin, and I, I don't want to turn this into just a, a salvation, into just a psychology thing, not that at all. But I don't know of too many things that, are more hev- that, that, are, that make us more weary and more heavily burden us than fallen and ungodly emotions that we, that we stay too long in and pay too high a price for. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so I le- at least a, a part of salvation, a very important part of salvation, is, is to bring rest uh, to your souls, a, a sense of well-being to your hearts, a sense of well-being uh, to your emotional life, if you will. So now we're going to move on uh, to how, just how to enjoy uh, godly emotions, how to grow in enjoying uh, godly emotions. Uh, the first point may surprise you, but I, I think it's actually one of, one of the most important. Number one, put to death all attitudes, moods, and emotions that are associated with the sinful flesh or your old nature. Romans 6 tells us to consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so every moment, in a sense, is a battle for us, and we are continually to, to count ourselves or to reckon or to consider ourselves that we are dead, unresponsive to sinful passions and totally responsive to God. I was struck by the title of a message uh, that I just ran across, and, and honestly, I'm not using much from that message, or maybe, maybe a couple of thoughts, except this, from the title. And the title was Mortifying Ungodly Emotions. It's by Brian Borgman. If you want to go online and listen to it, fine. But the title itself captured my attention. Because I, as soon as I read that, I said, I think this guy is on to something that is so needed in dealing with our emotions. Mortifying is is not a uh, is not a, a pleasant word. I mean, I mean, it means to put to death, to kill. Uh, and many people are not aware that putting to death certain tendencies, habits, and yes, even moods, is a part of living the life filled with the Spirit. You know, there are many times that my emotions want. I mean, my emotions just seem like they want to wallow in despair or frustration or self-pity or hurt feelings. And yet, I know that I should not go to those places because they just lead to wretchedness. And there's a sense in which there has to be a mortifying of those moods and feelings and emotions in order to fully live in the emotional life that God has for us. There, there has to be a. Well, I'll get to I'll get to that a little bit, a little bit, a little bit later. Let's let's stay with the train of thought. It's interesting that in Colossians three, the passage that we read this morning, before, 
Okay, before it says to sing with gratitude in your hearts to God, it says to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, including emotions like anger. And then it lists a bunch of other things, too, that might not necessarily fall into the category of emotions, but some of them do. So before you get to the place of, you know, the peace of Christ ruling in your heart, before you get to the place of singing with gratitude in your heart, uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, before you get to that, it says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So there has to be a willingness um, to put to death the inner negative moods and passions that, is, that destroy inner peace and joy and therefore keep us from singing with gratitude to the Lord. We see the same thing in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and that's the reason I put this I put this passage into your bulletin for the scripture reading this morning, just these two verses. And it's amazing. It talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit is this, 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 all these wonderful things. The very next verse says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and sinful desires. And so you, so you see how closely related experiencing and living in good things is to putting to death, crucifying, bad things. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, these, and again, these, these fruits are emotions or the expression of godly emotions. Kindness is, is an expression, really, of a, of, of a, of a godly emotion. And what is, what is not on this list is as revealing as what is. And you know, I, I get what people are saying when they say, oh, oh all emotions are neutral and you, should, you, know, you shouldn't feel bad about having any emotion ever at any time for whatever length of time, whatever. You know, I, I, I understand that, that what, where people are coming from in that. And yet, and yet um, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit produces hostility, anger, uh, fear. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what is not on this list of what the Holy Spirit produces is, is as revealing as what is. There are emotions that are not on this list because they're not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He replaces the set of emotions that belong to the flesh and the sinful nature that are in opposition to godly emotions the Holy Spirit is working and in you and wants for you. You know, when it says that the Holy Spirit groans for you uh, with, gro- with groans or prays for you or intercedes for you with groans that are too deep for words, that he's interceding for you according to the will of God, I mean, I, I honestly think that many, some of the things, at least, that the Holy Spirit is 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 interceding for you and groaning for you is for your emotional well-being and restoration and transformation. I think the Holy Spirit wants you to have hope and love and joy and peace. He groans. He prays passionately for you to have those things. And as I said, Paul goes right on from Galatians 5, 20, uh, 22 about the fruit of the Spirit, which every, almost every Christian has heard that, but nobody's ever heard of the next verse. 
goes right on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And these passions are defined, I looked this up, I think I believe it was in, in, in Vines, somebody's, somebody's dictionary of, of, of Greek words that is supposed to know what they mean, okay? All right? And it said that passions, we're, we're supposed to crucify the flesh, along with these passions, it says, these passions are defined as emotions, intense feelings, strong inward aroused emotions, overmastering feelings. And it says, basically the point there, if, those, if you put those two verses together, if you want to live in love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, you must learn to crucify or put to death some of these passionate emotions and feelings that you have of hate, despair, fear, anxiety, anger, rage, all of which are emotions that are the exact counterpart of love, joy, peace, patience, hope, and, and so on. And there, there is a sense in which, you know, when we come to Christ, there's a sense in which we are crucified with Christ. There's a work that has been done in your life to, to detach you from the love of sin, from the power of sin. That is a work of Christ. And yet there is also a side in which we, based upon that truth, which we choose, as says all throughout the New Testament, to, to renounce, to put off, to do not let, Certain things dominate or control us. So we put them to death by, by renouncing them, by repudiate, repudiating them, considering ourselves unresponsive to them, but totally responsive to, the, to God and to the Holy Spirit. And secondly, there, there's not only this putting off or do not let or renouncing or repudiating or considering ourselves dead and unresponsive, but we also put them off by enjoying and living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we, we, we get rid of what shouldn't be there, not just by getting rid of what shouldn't be there, but by putting on what should be there, putting on a heart of compassion, of love, of forgiveness, of letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There's something positive that, w- that we go to. And that's why it's so, really it's such an amazing statement in Galatians 5.16, but I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. As you walk more and more in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and begin to live in the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Spirit, you won't be filled with rage or despair or burdened down with care or always upset and afraid. There, there just won't be room for that because in place of that, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you're beginning to grow. Things are beginning to fill your heart to take the place of those things. Hope and spiritual optimism and faith and love and joy and peace. And, you know... 
just for those that think I'm going a diff- a too, too strong in this, I, yes, I'll say not perfectly, okay? Yeah, we're, it's not going to be perfect in this life. But I've always loved, and again, if you've been around me, you've heard me say this, Francis Schaeffer said there is substantial healing, or there, there is not perfect healing of the emotions in this life, but there is substantial healing of the emotions for us in this life. So, no, we're not perfect. None of us. My, mo- my emotional state and living attitudes, not, not perfect at all. But by the grace of God, there can be substantial healing in me and in you, and we can, be li- we can begin to live predominantly in the fruit of the Holy Spirit as God, just as God wills. All right, second. So the first is this, Kind of this, this negative, this, this dying, this putting to death, this hard no. Second, uh, take your moods and emotions to God. Work through them in the presence of your heavenly Father and his word. When I think we have to, to take our brokenness, our broken emotions, if you will, we have to take those to God. Because on your own, you're a mess. I'm a mess and will always remain a mess apart from the redemptive healing work of God and His Spirit in us. We, we have to. We have to move toward God, allowing Him to direct our hearts and our feelings and our perspectives. You know, I love what, what the Apostle Paul said but God who comforts the depressed comforted me. Now, what a statement. It is God who comforts the depressed. It is God who calms our fears and bids our sorrows cease. Amen? He is the God of peace, the God of love, the God of hope, the God of rest, the source of joy. When I am fearful, I'm talking about me personally, when I am fearful, or frustrated, or in despair, or feel like I want to quit, I go to God. I go to God at least partly because I know, I know that, be, that, that those feelings are telling me something. Those feelings are telling me that I am believing or thinking, thinking something that is messing up my emotions. And I know that the answer is in God. I know that God will restore my soul. And I, I love that, just that, that just that statement from Psalm 23, he restores my soul. You know? Often my emotional problems mean that I have started to take control of my own life. In other words, I, I'm, starting, I'm trying to take control of my life through fear and through worrying about things and mulling over things and trying to manipulate my future or seeing how it can, this can work out or this problem can work out. So often my emotional problems are that I've, that I've tried to take control of my own life and future instead of leaving it in God's hands. So the solution for, for me many times is, is just going to God and just very actively and willfully placing my whole trust in Him for my whole life, for my business, my work, my the church, for my children, for any and all concerns. And often that alone just restores my heart to rest and to joy. 
This pattern for emotional healing is demonstrated over and over for us in the Psalms. David took his moods and his feelings to the Lord. And in his presence, in the Lord's presence, through prayer and confessing, joy-producing truths about God and his goodness and faithfulness, he moved from despair to hope, from great anxiety to great peace, from depression to joy. That's a very long sentence. And so even though I hate it when ministers repeat themselves, I'm going to repeat it for you. David took his moods and feelings to the Lord and in his presence through prayer and confessing joy-producing truths about God. And I'm going to stop there just a minute. David would go to God. He would tell God how he was feeling. But then he would start to confess joy-producing truths about God, like, yes, you are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my shelter. Your loving kindness is wonderful. I love the verse that Luke read this morning. You have made marvelous to me your loving kindness in a besieged city. Um, so he took his moods and feelings to the Lord, and through prayer and, confess, and confessing joy-producing truths about God and God's goodness and faithfulness, he would move from despair to hope. And, and if, you, if you read through the Psalms at all, you see that, maybe not in every Psalm, but almost a, a ridiculously high percentage of, of, of the Psalms. So in other words, he did not always feel good when he went to God. Psalm 130, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. You know, he, he went to God when he was like in the depths. Out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes. I mean, that's the way it starts. It's just like, O Lord, <laughs> how many are my problems. I mean, he just, that's where he starts. He didn't always feel good. When he went to God. Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I mean, David didn't wait till he, till he was over his fear to go to God. No, in his fear, he brought that emotion to God. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Psalm 61, I call to you when my heart grows faint. Again, not, not going to God just when he, when he feels happy or feels good. Um, when my heart grows faint, that's when I go to God. When I'm experiencing painful emotions, that is when I go to the Lord. You know, in every one of those psalms that I referred to, in every one of those psalms, he ends up in some way declaring the unfailing love of the Lord. He declares that God is a shield and a refuge. He ends up singing to God and praising God and thanking God, even though he started out in those psalms from, from, from out of the depths. Uh, how many are my foes and my problems when I, when I am afraid, when my heart is faint? They started all that way, but he, he goes to God. And so that's why I say um, to take your 
Um, take your moods and emotions to God. Work through them in the presence of your heavenly Father. You know, in Philippians 4, it says, be, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a, is a wonderful emotion. And in this passage, it says, we come to God with anxiety and worry, and we come out with peace. And your circumstances didn't change during your prayer, probably. I mean, they could. God could have worked something just like that. But probably your circumstances didn't change during your time of prayer. But when you are done meeting with God, something happened to your soul and to your mind. And now you have peace. You have the supernatural, the peace that, peace that is beyond understanding. You, you were looking only at your problem. You were putting your faith in your problems. But now in, in prayer, you detach yourself from your fears and worries. And you stand up, looking up to God, thanking God. And, and you have peace. Third. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got a long ways to go, guys. Man, how did it get to be so late? Third, your emotions must have an encounter with truth. So you bring your emotions to God's truth or to God's version of reality. Your emotions are largely impacted by what you believe to be true. Your emotions are largely impacted by what you truly think and believe at any given moment. Emotions flow out of your imaginations or perspective or how you look at things or what you think to be true about God. If you think the blood of Jesus can only cover small, unintentional sins and isn't sufficient to cover yours, then you are believing a lie, and your emotions will be affected by that. If you believe it is impossible for God to, delight, to love you or to delight in you after what you've done, that untruth will affect your ability to live in joy and contentment. God's truth is the basis for our emotional well-being. God's truth is, is joy-producing truth. It brings hope and peace and joy. You know, fear, fear, for the most part, comes from believing or imagining fearful outcomes. Joy comes from, produce, from, from focusing on joy-producing truths. You know, Martin Luther experienced uh, repeated bouts of depression throughout his life. And if you, know, if, you, if you struggle with that, you know, you have good company with Luther. Uh, but he saw so much help from the Word of God in, in, in adjusting his moods and feelings. He said, I constantly find that when I am without the Word, when I'm, in other words, when I'm, when I'm without the truth of the Bible, without God's Word, Christ, even Christ, it seems, is gone. Yes, and so is joy and the Spirit. It seems like these things are gone. But as soon as I look at a psalm or a passage of Scripture, it so shines and burns into my heart that I gain a different spirit and mind. And moreover, I know that every, everybody may daily experience this in his, in his own life. And so he exhorts us, hear God's word 
often, do not go to bed, do not get up without having spoken a beautiful passage or two or three or four of them to your heart. In other words, minister to your emotions. You need that through truth, through God's truth. And God's truth is to affect our emotions. It's a, it's a, it's a very big misconception that the, that the Christian life is not, is not emotional or that we have no emotions or that emotions aren't important to just, you know, just, you know, tr- just focus on truth and obedience. And I believe that totally. But I, I don't think people really obey God unless they know something of the joy of living, of walking and living in him. God's truth is to strike your emotions. It's to minister to your emotions. You know, John said in 1 John uh, 1, 2, 2 through 4, we proclaim this eternal life to you, which was with the Father and has, has appeared to us. He's talking about Jesus. We proclaim what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. The gospel is to produce joy. And shame on us as pastors and preachers and teachers if, you know, if we don't at least, at least attempt to bring joy to people through, through the gospel. And, and we, Josh and I know try to do that every Sunday. Fourth, absolute, the, the fourth thing that you need to do is place absolute trust in God. And I say absolute trust in God because we throw around that phrase, trusting in God, and we really don't trust in God. Trusting in God is an absolute thing. It is one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another to take hold of that and trust in that in the midst of the drama of life. Trust in God and His truth is what allows truth to change your negative or sinful emotions. David, in Psalm 127, David said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's one thing to just kind of flippantly say God is good. It's another to believe that God is good in such a way that it lifts you out of despair. I mean, there is actual trust here. David says, I believe that I, I, David, okay, you can put your name in there. I believe that I, David, will see the goodness of the Lord right here in my life. That's what he's saying. He said, if I didn't believe that, I would have despaired. So hope, hope believes everything is going to turn out all right. And that comes from trusting what God has said. It comes from trusting, real trust, in God himself. Trust, confidence, abandonment, faith, surrender... These are the answers to most uh, or at least many of our emotional problems. Throw yourself completely upon God. And I don't know how, what, how it communicates trust to you. Those, those are phrases that communicate to me. It's just, you know, I throw myself completely upon, God, upon, God, upon you, God. I jump into his arms. Or as the, the song says, the hymn, venture wholly upon him. It's like... Risk everything. Throw yourself, your life, your future, everything upon God. Trust in Him. Now somebody said, you take control of your life by surrendering control of your life. And there's, there is a lot of truth in that. 
you really kind of get to this, you have this place of, of, of well-being, that everything's fine. There's just, you, you, you get that not by anxiously taking control of your life, but by releasing or surrendering, abandoning control of your life to the one, only one who really can control it and loves you immensely. Uh, a, a Christian author named uh, Greg Jantz wrote, Anxieties scream that the worst that could happen will. Instead of filling your mind with the content of your concerns, fill it with the promises and passionate love of your heavenly Father. You have been placing your faith and trust in your own fears. When they speak, you listen intently. I think that's pretty accurate. You're listening not not to God and to his passionate love and promises. You're listening when when your fears speak, you, you listen intently to that. So the question comes, what do you trust in? Or who do you really listen to? It's really all a matter of will we believe God or, or our fears or other emotional states that, that we find ourselves in. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in God's picture of reality. You are beloved. You are beloved of God. You are adopted, chosen, dead to sin, alive to God, and cared for so completely that you can cast all of your cares on Him always. You know, there's a fifth one that I'm not going to get to, uh, just about focus on being here for others. Um, Just real quickly, Isaiah 58.10 says, If you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like midday. So just think about that. Um, when, when we're the biggest mess emotionally is when we're totally focused on ourselves. And sometimes you just have to force yourself to get interested in somebody else and other people. But going to God, getting truth into your thinking, putting absolute trust in God, getting the focus off of you and onto how you can be an instrument of the love of Christ. These are the main keys, I think, I believe, as I see them, and I say that humbly because I'm not sure, I don't not say I have all the answers, but these are what I see in Scripture as keys to the healing of our, of our fallen and damaged emotions. Uh, we all struggle, okay? We all struggle in some measure with fallen, broken emotions, and, and we will in this life. Uh, but do not be discouraged. Remember this, that the outcome of your salvation will be the complete healing of your emotions. And I find it very interesting um, that heaven is heaven, in, at least in large part, because of the healing it brings to our emotions. I mean, the thing, when we aren't given a lot of details about heaven, but what we are told is that there'll be no, no tears, no sorrow, no pain, you know, no fear, no unhappiness in heaven. Or as Isaiah puts it, sorrow and sighing will flee. And so, you know, God has heaven for your emotions. You know, it's going to be wonderful, right? It's going to be great. And I thank God for it.
I do. I've been blessed. I'm going to close with this. I've been blessed by a song by Lindell Cooley, uh, a revival song. And it just says this, there will be no dark valley when Jesus comes. There will be no dark valley when Jesus comes to gather his children home. There will be no more sorrow when Jesus comes. No more sorrow when Jesus comes, but a happy, happy tomorrow when Jesus comes to gather his children home. No more weeping when Jesus comes. No more weeping when Jesus comes, but a happy, happy meeting when Jesus comes to gather his children home. There will be songs of praise when Jesus comes. There will be songs of praise when Jesus comes comes to gather his children home and i don't mean by that that to focus all you know in the future um, but simply go to jesus for as much healing as you can possibly obtain and receive and enjoy in this life enjoy the fruit of the holy spirit hope love joy peace as much as you possibly can in this life. Grow in that. Receive that. Live in that. And then get ready uh, for glorious uh, joy forever with the Lord in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us about our emotions. Thank you for caring about our emotional struggles. Thank you for offering solutions and help. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the way he ministers to our inner person in particular. Thank you for your truth and your word, the way that it ministers. Uh, God, I pray just all over this congregation this morning that you, that you would do an amazing, miraculous thing uh, that only you can do to, uh, to bring much uh, healing and much comfort, much joy, much peace uh, in people's hearts and lives that are here even this very day, and, and perhaps others that will hear this, hear this message too. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for hanging with me for a few extra minutes. God bless the Sunday school teachers who are, have the kids extra. Um, have, a, have a good day in the Lord.